0: Sankofa, the title of that musical interlude, is a word in the language of the Akan people of Ghana. And in their language, the word Sankofa represents the concept of looking back to the past to reclaim those things that will help us move forward together. To look back and to take those things that we need so that we can move forward into the future. And so it is today that we look back on two institutional histories and we ask, what do we need to learn in order to move into the next 50 years? Fifty years ago, the American Unitarian Association and the Universalist Church of America voted at a joint meeting to finalize the consolidation of their denominations into one new association. Historian Warren Ross calls this the culmination of a 100 years of courtship. And that's barely an understatement because you see the Unitarians and the Universalists both existed in the United States for many years. Both of them were founded as religions around the time of the American Revolution. They are are faiths born of the same impulse to freedom that, that the United States was born of. And so over those years, Unitarians and Universalists had slowly been growing together. They had slowly been coming to common understandings about the world around them, about God as they understood, God to be about the the teachings of the religions of the world and they had both come to a place where they allowed people where they invited people into their religious communities no matter what their beliefs both the Unitarians and the Universalists each of which had come out of the liberal Christian tradition in this country had grown to a place where They believed that people needed to be in community with one another, but not necessarily share the same beliefs with one another. And it took them a hundred years to realize just how much they had in common. It took them a hundred years mostly because the Unitarians and the Universalists were separated not by belief systems, not by theology, not by religious dogma or structure, they were separated by class distinctions in the United States. The Unitarians, you see, were the upper classes, mostly of New England. They were the elites of society, the highly educated and wealthy folks, and the Universalists were working class people. They were farmers and tradespeople, and the folks who who worked every day to make things and manufacture things in mills, and um, they did the hard labor that made our society work. And the Unitarians and the Universalists were both headquartered in Boston, but they were on opposite sides of the same hill in Boston, Beacon Hill. For those of you who know your Boston geography, Beacon Hill is the one hill that remains in Boston after they knocked down all the other ones to fill in the swamp. It's the hill on which the Massachusetts State House is perched in Boston, and it's the hill on which the Unitarian Universalist Association now has its headquarters right next door to the Massachusetts State House. But a hundred years ago, when the Unitarians and the Universalists were growing together religiously and theologically, the Unitarians lived on the wealthy side of Beacon Hill, that's where their headquarters was, and the Universalists Had their headquarters on the other side of beacon hill the side of beacon hill where the wealthy people's servants lived and that just that living on opposite sides of the crest of admittedly a very small hill kept these two groups apart for a hundred years and so in 1960 they took that final vote to affirm the consolidation. And that's really the appropriate term. We call it a merger because that's a smaller word. But it was a consolidation of their faiths into one. They were led in this consolidation by their youth. As I mentioned a few moments ago, their youth, their respective youth organizations had voted to merge their youth organizations nine whole years before. It only took the youth 90 years to realize that they had grown together and to get over those distinctions of class, but um, the youth still led them in this journey. And a lot of people were really nervous before those votes were taken, before the original votes were taken in Syracuse, New York, in 1959, before that vote of affirmation was taken in Boston, Massachusetts in 1960, and before the first General Assembly of the new Unitarian Universalist Association was held in 1961, a lot of people were nervous because they didn't know what this new faith was going to mean. They didn't know how they were going to be asked to change the way they did things. They didn't know if other people in their faith also approved of this, and whether the votes would even pass. After all, they'd been working on this for 100 years. They'd actually been in active discussions over it for about 60 of those 100 years, and those active discussions had been really um, intense for about 30 years, and so you can imagine If you were a leader involved in 30 years worth of really intense discussions, how nervous you might be walking into an assembly not knowing if the people were going to vote yes or no. Well, it turns out that both the Unitarians and the Universalists overwhelmingly voted yes. The votes were 80 to 90 percent in favor of the consolidation of these two denominations and the creation of the Unitarian Universalist Association. And the people who had been involved in those discussions for, oh, those so many years, were really gratified to know that they had the support of 80 to 90% of their people. And the Reverend Donald Harrington, who was then the minister of the Community Unitarian Church in New York City, preached. was asked to preach the sermon at the worship service that followed the vote. I might imagine that he had to write the sermon before he knew how the vote was going to turn out. And so he wrote a thoughtful, hopeful sermon. He wrote a sermon that, that hoped that that vote would be affirmative. And one of the things he said in that sermon was that the new denomination that had been formed by that vote had tremendous potential, he wrote born of the world's response to our new relevance, caused in turn by this new world's need for a religion which is dynamic instead of static, unitive instead of divisive. History-making, he said.